This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. All right, guys. Welcome to Bear Archery's Hunting 101 podcast, as always, presented by my good friends over at Scentlock. Guys, the activated carbon technology found in Scentlock is absolutely what sets it apart especially for bow hunting whitetails. Their BE1 toolkit is an entire toolkit from the gloves down to the belt and everything in between. And I promise you, you can whitetail hunt from early season all the way to late season with that BE1 toolkit. So if you're a bow hunter, I would highly encourage you to check out the BE1 uh, toolkit from Scentlock. Guys, I've got a good friend of mine on the phone today, Mr. Kip Etter from Wellington, Kansas. Um, he is the owner of my hometown gun shop here, uh, Powder and String Outfitters. And we kind of talked through this idea of working hard so that we can hunt hard, but we also have to have some fun along the way in order to keep our head in the game. And so guys, a really good episode, a really good reminder after a long, hard season of why we do what we do and how to you know, keep our head right for, for hunting, but also um, getting to work right now for next season. So guys, make sure and tune in for what I can promise you is going to be a good episode. Welcome to Bear Archery's Hunting 101 podcast, where hunters new and old come to learn and find inspiration from stories of hunts gone by. Everyone is welcome to enjoy the outdoor way of life, and there is no better time to start than right now. So let's head into the great outdoors with your host, Dylan Ray. All right, Kip, so give us an introduction to yourself, to Powder and String, to what you do, um, kind of how this all started. <laughs> well, first of all, thank you, Dylan, so much for uh, you know having me on here. I really appreciate it. Um, you know, I'm, I guess I, I was born and raised here, you know, um, in the flyover States, you know, Kansas, uh, if you don't like the weather, wait five minutes, yeah. literally. Yeah. Um, you know, we have, we have, it was 70 yesterday. Now yeah. it's like 29. Yeah. Yeah. It's well, I, and you know, love it. Um, there's, you know, there's a lot to be said about Kansas, but man, the hunting is just, it's, it's good. I mean, uh, and it's not just, you know, we're known for our, for our whitetail, but it's not just that. I mean, there's right. just, a, there's a diverse, there's all kinds of stuff to hunt. Some of the best. And dude, I grew up in, in, uh, Southern Arkansas where mm -hmm. deer hunting is quote unquote King. Mm -hmm. And I come here and I start duck hunting and I'm like, dude, 
duck hunting in Arkansas kind of sucks compared to this. Like <laughs> I had an experience one time. Um, I was able to, a real good friend of mine. Uh, I moved and lived, I lived for quite a, quite a while in uh, Phoenix. And so, you know, you know, showing my age a little bit, but you know, ducks unlimited magazine, I, every yeah. time it came, I was, you know, reading it from front to back and, and you always heard about out West. They talked about hunting on the, um, Colorado river and, yeah. and you know, that, that flyaway. And so a buddy of mine, um, his family had a, had a, had a, um, uh, hunt club that they were a part of. Um, and so he's like, Hey, you want to go? I was like, absolutely. You know, I've read about this thing in, in, you know, ducks unlimited and you know, just a dream. And we go out there and I'm not saying by any means that it wasn't a great, uh, time and everything, but it just was a, it was one of them times yeah. where I was like the reality of what you have in your own backyard and you know, the grass isn't always greener and, and, uh, you know, we're out there hunting and, and boy, we did see some 40 to 60, 80, 80 group birds of, of pintails and sprigs and stuff. And I remember this, that we vividly, we had one greenhead in this group and these guys are just slobbering over the greenhead. And I'm like, dude, you guys can shoot all the greenheads you want. You can have out that. I want the pintail. I want the pintail. Cause you know, we see them around here, you know, but we don't shoot them like we do the greenheads, right. but you know, it's, it's just a real diverse hunting, but I, you know, I was born and raised here. Um, you know, kind of the same story that a lot of people have. I left, went to college, grew up, um, got married, have kids. Um, just recently became a grandpa. Love it. It's the awesome. Look like a grandpa. Too. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate. It. Yeah. Yeah. With with friends like you, you know, who needs <laughs> exactly. Enemies. There you go. But now, um, just uh, you know, I've owned several different businesses. I've kind of been a business person my whole life. And um, funny story, I guess. I I probably three or four years ago, I got uh, you know, uh, idea. I was like, well, I'm just going to get my FFL license. Cause there's, you know, let's see what it's about. I'm just going to do it home-based. I had some other businesses. And so, um, my wife told me, don't ever come home with some harebrained idea that you're going to open up a gun shop. And I legitimately had zero desire, was not on my radar, didn't want to do it. And, uh, made her the promise fast forward about a year and a half, all of a sudden COVID hits. And we own a restaurant and bar, um, here in Wellington and, and, um, so with COVID, everything kind of, you know, got flipped on its head. And we were at the time, we were really looking at expanding um, with our restaurant. And so um, one of the buildings that we owned was sitting there vacant and had been, and it used to be a, a vision doctor, eye doctor building. Yeah. And so my wife comes home right after Christmas of 20 and she says, hey, um, what do you think about, what do you think about, turning that, uh, that building, that vacant building, what do you think about turning that into uh, a gun shop? And I looked at her like this was candid camera and she was, you know, having a joke and uh, thought it was, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I was waiting for, you know, waiting for... Waiting for the punchline? Well, I didn't know, like, what, how do I answer this? Like, yeah. this is a trick question. And so, um, really, we opened this, you know, it's just an old downtown building, uh, historic building, and we opened it and, uh, I'd like to say that, you know, I, I had this great vision. I, I, I the good Lord was re really, you know, had, had a huge part of his, he doesn't everything, but he, um, you know, we opened and then I ended up meeting our, our engraver, Brian strange, um, class act guy. Um, then we have our in-house, um, gunsmith and we were opening during pandemic and it, you know, I didn't, I guess, I guess, ignorance is bliss sometimes. And I didn't know, um, what I didn't know. And so I, yeah. you know, contacted my, 
my distributors at the time, which I only had a couple. And I said, Hey, you know, I got this, you know, we're going to harebrained idea, you know, we're going to do this. And, and so I had a goal of opening, um, within three months with, with just having uh, 50 firearms and everybody I talked to in the industry is like, you're crazy. You couldn't, I mean, you couldn't get a box of ammo, much less a gun. Right. And lo and behold, we opened up three months later, um, 70 guns and we haven't looked back. And then all of a sudden here we are, you know, you and I are talking and it's, you know, we've got growth that we've just can't even imagine. It's just going, we, we're very lucky. We're very blessed. We're, we're surrounded with a good team of people and just extremely happy with the way everything's gone. I've had the ability now to bring in, you know, just a couple guys um, from out of town and show them the shop. And, you know, they see Wellington, they're like, oh, small town, you know, mm-hmm. how good's their gun shop going to be? And uh, and then you bring them in, they're like, oh, crap, dude. Like, they have everything. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, this isn't like some rinky-deek operation here. And, uh, and so that's kind of why I wanted to have you on, man, because... The question I get asked most, mm-hmm. even outside of regards to hunting, um, but the question I get asked the most is, how do you take your passion and turn that into a career? Whether it be guns or bow hunting or big game hunting yeah. specifically or small game hunting or, I mean, it, it, take it, hunting outside the picture. I mean, I mean, some guys weightlifting or dieting or you know whatever me and you don't do that stuff but no <laughs> um i started it's I, I just started it is the new year yeah so you've been <laughs> once he said i've missed two days already i'm like it's the third kip <laughs> yeah. i went two days in my head and then i really did i've only missed two days at yeah. the gym this year <laughs> uh, show off overachiever no yeah. um so, so that really though, that's that, the question I get asked the most. You know, that is, and I will say there's some dangers to it too. Though you're exactly right. Um, it is, it it is a fine line to walk. Yeah. Um, I honestly, you know, the, 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 they say if you if you have a job that you enjoy, you'll never work a day in your life. Um, you know, and and that can be true. And I can also tell you that there's a saying out there that people say, well, the reason that I work sixty or eighty hours a week as a self-employed just so I don't have to work for somebody else. And that's also true. Um, you know, just starting this, this business, um, has required an enormous amount of effort, um, and understanding from my family. Um, and, and, and they may not be, they pitch in and help all the time, but they may not be down here every single day, but boy, they're, they're picking up my shortcomings, if you will. And I'm just really blessed that I have that. But, it's the funny that you you bring that up because just this morning, um, a good friend of mine, um, unfortunately, had his father pass away, and he and I were talking, and um, we actually were just talking about this exact conversation here, and I'm one of those individuals that you know when I dive into something, man, I go all out, and you know when I say that. I, I kind of jokingly say, well, when we started this thing, it was just going to be, you know, three three afternoons a week, me down here by myself, and I was just going to get caught up on paperwork and stuff with other stuff, you know, in my other businesses. And I say that, and in my mind, I genuinely meant that. But anybody that knows me, all my buddies are like, dude, we knew you, we we knew this was not what you were going to yeah. do. And and you know, I don't know. I've just always been the type of person where if I'm going to do something, why are you going to do it? Kinda. Yeah. You know, why are you no, going to You know, so, you know, go hard or go home. And so that's kind of the way we've taken it. Um, but in that conversation today, what I had, you know, with my, with my, my good buddy was 
I had kind of lost track of that. I'd lost my basis, lost center, and I was not hunting as much as I wanted to. And I was not, you know, spending time out in the woods. And that was, that's truly who I was. That was what I was raised, you know, up doing. Yeah. And, and, and when my first, you know, experience in, in adulthood, if you will, I, 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 um, was just a manager at a small restaurant and bar, but I was able to, in that position, I was able to schedule all of my, you know, late fall and winter and early springtime around hunting. And so, I mean, I just, you know, that was everything to me. And then, you know, all of a sudden here, you know, you fast forward, life happens, you have kids, family, and I'd really lost track of, of that. And so I, I'm so blessed and lucky that we have this thing going in the direction that we have going and the growth that we're looking at because it's just, it's just absolutely, um, it's, it's refreshing to, to see it and it's challenging and it's got its ups and it's got its downs, but man, we're just, you know, every day we're just, we're, we're doing the best we can to make, to, to grow and get better than we were the day before. Yeah. And it's just, well, that's a hundred percent, man. Being somebody, you know, from the outside in watching this thing take place, <laughs> Um, I not only, and I've watched you, you know, in other businesses and, you know, with other endeavors and I've always sat back and watched you and just thought, man, I'm glad to see somebody when they do something, they do it with everything they've got. You know what I mean? And that's what, Thank you. so my biggest piece of advice is if you want to do something, you have to give it everything you've got. Like, I would agree. If you want to turn something into a living, there is no like, well, every Saturday night from 9 to 10, I'll work on it. Like, no, Mm -hmm. you've got to dive in full force. And, uh, you know, you knew me seven years ago, eight years ago when I moved moved here into town. Yeah. And I was really trying to get into the outdoor industry. Yeah. And in those times, man, I promise you this, I spent a whole lot of money like Mm -hmm. trying to get into the outdoor industry. And people are looking and they're like, man, how cool is it to make your living in the outdoor industry? I'm like, no. Like... I've got my nine to five and then I get home and I spend not only a whole lot of time, but a whole lot of money. Right. Like to try and make this happen. Yeah. And that's what it takes. Like you have to just dive in full force if you ever want to turn something into a living. And you're exactly right. And and again, you know, how could I have known that, that my journey to where we are with powder and string today, it never crossed my mind, never was on my radar that, that when our paths crossed back then, that it was going to be where, where it is today. And then all of a sudden here we are, you know, talking, sitting here talking. Um, but you're exactly right. If you're going to do something, you know, there's no reason to do it, you know, 50%. And, and you better believe that if you're going to be, whatever the industry is, if you're going to be successful, there is somebody out there that's going to be busting their rear to try and, and make it. And, and you don't always know everything. Part of learning part of, part of the growth and part of the experience is, the, is that learning. And, you know, there's a saying that I always kind of, that I've, I've, I've pieced together from other people. Um, you know, I've, I, I'm a big reader. Um, I used to read more when I had more time, but, um, I've pieced it together from several different, you know, books that I've read and self, self-help, uh, things like that, that a lot of us will listen to podcasts and things like that. But it's, it's, there's an infinite amount of things that you have no control over in business, in life. And there's a finite amount of things that you have control over. And so it's imperative that you are as close to perfect as you can be on the things that you do have control over. So that not if, but when something that you don't anticipate happening happens, 
that you are in the best position, you're positioned the best that you possibly can to deal with that catastrophe or that, you know, bump or that whatever it is. And, you know, I just try to focus on that and, you know, remind myself of that, um, you know, all the time. Um, and, and, and also my staff on that. And so, you know, you have to work hard, you know, it's, uh, well, I, you know, I like Gary V and Gary V will tell you, he's like, I'm going to work harder than you. I guarantee you're gonna work harder. I'm going to work harder than, excuse me. I guarantee I'm gonna work harder than you. Well, I, I, I've always kind of said the same thing. Like I don't ever want to have anybody that knows me or anybody that, that works for me ever say, well, that guy didn't work hard. You know, he, and working hard doesn't mean I had a guy tell me once who's really successful say, you know, work smart, not hard. You know, well, I'll tell you, he said the same thing. I used to think that well, we work smart, not hard. You got to work hard and you got to work smart. Yeah. Period. The end. I mean, it's, there is Sometimes no, Sometimes you got to work hard to work smart. Yeah. And there, and, and you know what? Lucky, you can get lucky, but also a lot of times people will, 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 you know, are perceived to get lucky. Yeah. But it's because they position themselves and everything you're saying, it's funny because everything you're saying is so incredibly applicable to hunting, especially bow hunting. Like, oh. you know, I, I hear guys all the time and they'll, you know, they'll, they'll take people and, um, I'm not going to name any names, but if you, it doesn't take a, a quick Google search to figure it out. But the guy that just shot the new world record for mule deer, yep. non-typical velvet mule deer, um, he was quoted as saying like, I had no idea the deer was there. I just stumbled upon him. Uh, essentially. And so everybody's like, oh, he's lucky, dude. He, he's not a good hunter. He's a lucky hunter. And I'm like, no. Because it goes back to what you just said. He controlled everything that he could. He couldn't control whether there was a 250-inch buck in there or a 140-inch buck. He couldn't control that. He stumbled upon public ground and that was something that I was that was out of his control. But what he could control was making sure that when that 250 stepped out or whatever it was, I mean, ungodly, uh, 320-something, I don't know. It was monster. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's big crazy. for an elk, much less a mule exactly. deer. But anyways, but, but what he can control is when that deer steps out, he's put himself in a position to kill it. Well, and I, I would almost guarantee you, and obviously we can sit here and make assumptions all we want sitting here between the two of us, but I would almost guarantee you that he probably had done some homework with regards to the area a hundred percent and he knew that you know based yeah. upon the statistics and based upon data that he was able to go look at he was able to say all right i'm going to put in for this draw or i'm going to hunt this area and he knows that that area produces big animals and just because an area produces big animals doesn't mean you're going to get a big yeah. deer or a big animal or whatever it is but if it produces it has a history then you know you've got a higher statistic to quote unquote lucky yeah and, and that's one thing like so there there's so many tools out there like to be utilized and, oh, and it, it goes to, back exactly today? to what you're saying like dude people don't even know this but like everybody's like oh, I don't want to enter my deer into Pope and Young I don't want to you know it's not about me it's about the deer all that crap well it's actually about conservation amen and what I can do is I can log on to Pope and Young uh, go to pope-young.org and, and go to trophy search and if I'm headed to Colorado for an elk hunt you can look county by county what county produces the most Pope and Young animals, the biggest Pope and Young animals. And then that gives me a really good place to start on where I'm going to hunt. And those are the kind of resources that I guarantee you guys like that are using. They're not just stumbling. Although he used the word stumbling upon a new world record, he put himself in a position to do that. Absolutely. And that's what it, and it, you know, going back to business and going back to life, like 
that's what it takes, dude. People don't stumble into 60 years of marriage. They work for 60 years of Absolutely. marriage. Like, yeah, I can tell you, you know, you want to, you want to learn, um, you know, relationships and, and just a relationship with regards to, you know, business relationship, um, personal relationship, marriage, um, it's work. And I can tell you one of the things that, that personally that, that helped me, um, with my ability to, to have relationships was, was when I moved away, um, and I was by myself, I moved from, you know, Kansas to Phoenix, Arizona. And I had an aunt and a couple of cousins that lived there, but other than that, that was it. And the first time, you know, all my family lived within 30 miles of, of here. And all of a sudden you're out there on an Island by yourself and everybody's going to birthday parties. Everybody's going to, you have to put in the work. And then you realize real quick that you can just be forgotten and yeah. and it, it takes work again. It's, it's nothing is easy, but it's work. And you know, you've got to put in the extra effort. <clears throat> I, uh, you know, it's this, it's hunting's a lot like sports. I mean, I, yeah. I, you know, the guy that's going to put in the, the off season work or, you know, scout, you know, you want to scout. Well, part of scouting is not, it's not just going out with a set of binoculars, you know, at three o'clock in the afternoon and before dusk. And, and it starts months. You, you can start it. Yeah. You know, if you can't sleep at night, three o'clock morning, get up, Hey, start looking on Pope and young and, and start yeah. finding out. On X, on X, yeah. Like use all those tools. <clears throat> And you say Onyx, and that's so. It's so funny to me that you that you talked about tools. I can remember, and I'm uh, I'm I'm showing my age a little bit, but you know I'm in my 40s. But I can remember. I thought I was um, the bee's knees. I thought I was the bee's knees. I thought I had the smartest idea in the whole world one time, and I had a buddy of mine that was a pilot, and I was like, Hey, whenever you go up next time why don't you take me up and I want to go look at my hunting ground. Like I was the only one, you know, you have to remember this is the nineties. So this is before internet and all this. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, I'm the only one that's ever thought of this. So you get a whole other perspective of it. Little did I know that, you know, everybody's been doing it and there's actually laws, most States that say you can't hunt the date, which is, it should be. But I was doing that back then to, to get a different perspective, a topographical perspective, which, right. you know, you've got the maps and stuff, but we didn't have like the satellite imagery like you have now. But even with on X, I would tell you, you know, those are taken at certain times of the year, depending upon right. whenever the satellite's flying over or whatever, but, and they're updated and all that, but actually having boots on the ground out there looking at your ground and, or looking at it from a, from an aerial view now drones. So, you know, here it was, if you look at the, tra you know, the transition, of all this, even though we have on X, I still think that, you know, if you really want to get in into new ground, if you've got new ground that you just found, and especially if it's big, if it's a lot of acreage go in your, to me, I'm, when I'm hunting deer, I'm hunting pinch points. That's yeah. the first thing I look for pinch point because I'm busy. Time is extremely important to me. And <clears throat> when I go out to sit in that, in the woods, I want to have the best opportunity to have a return on my investment, which is time, because that's very, uh, you know, it's a resource to me. Yeah. And I think that uh, with a lot of people, you know, they don't get the part of working hard in order to find success in the field. And I can tell you this, the most successful hunters I know are the hardest working hunters I know. Mm -hmm. Like... People are, are, well, let's just take Chuck Adams, for instance. I'm glad you said that name. Pe people are like, Icon. man, 
people are like, man, it killed three new world records in a month. In, like, in one hunt. In I one think trip. Will, yeah. yeah, that's what they'll say, in one trip. And I'm like, but do you understand? Oh, uh, yeah. When, um, when I say hunt, it was one trip. <laughs> right. yeah, that's what I meant by it. And I'm like, hunt. but I told somebody this. I said, but do you understand? Dude went in for 35 plus days alone in a tent in mm-hmm. Alaska. There, you've had a podcast with him, and he's on he's yeah. on another podcast. And you can, I'm a big fan of Chuck Adams, have been forever. Um, it's still amazing to me that people you'll say that and say, well, you know, who Chuck Adams is to somebody who's an archer hunter, and I mean, it, he's just an absolute icon. Um, yeah. I mean, next to Robin Hood, he's <laughs> he's the second most yeah. popular, you know, probably uh, you know bow hunter that there is out there. But he just, but if you listen to him talk he's very strategic in what he does he's not just you know he's enjoying the hunting absolutely and, and well i guess for me i'm not it's not that i yeah. i enjoy i enjoy all of that preparation i enjoy all of that time leading that's all the hunt to me but there's no playing around with him like there dude i i get to share camp with him uh in december we're gonna go hunt whitetails in oklahoma and I've been told by several do you, people. Do you need somebody to be like a <laughs> a caddy? Well, I'll be a caddy. cook. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, you need it. You know, uh, what like an African safari? Yeah. I can be your tracker. Your yeah. I'll be your photographer. There you go. There you go. There are tickets. You can buy tickets for the raffle yeah. to come on the hunt with us. But I, I I wouldn't be lying if I said that I bought one already. <laughs> but uh, I've had several people reach out and they're like, dude, sharing uh, camp with Chuck sucks. I'm like, what do you mean? It's Chuck Adams. Like, dude, he don't play. Like, you know, it's not like. You know, some guys you get back to camp and it's like let's let's play cards and let's you know have a cup of coffee or play poker and you know it's it's not like that with Chuck. He leaves before you wake up and you don't see him for the rest of the day. I don't doubt it. I that 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 step from from what I've read and what I've listened. Yeah. I mean, I've never met the man, but I mean, when I hear him talk about those things, that's what I yeah. I see. And you know. We're already talking with the ground that we have. We're already talking, all right, food plots. Where are we going to, you know, yeah. and, and, you know, with regards to, um, with regards to uh, trail cameras or feeding, you know, I used to, I, I guess, as I've come along, I've evolved, I guess, or I don't know, you know, I guess we all get smarter or whatever, but, but, <clears throat> you know, I used to be the guy that, you know, if I was going to feed the deer, you know, I just fed them corn, dump it on the ground. Well, then I evolved to get a feeder. Then I evolved. So, and I used to just, you know, I'm going to put it out right during season. Well, that wasn't hunt. It's hunting, but you still got to put yourself in the right place. The right. right. Time. It's not just like, it's not shooting, you fish know, in a barrel. fish in a barrel, but at all, but it is setting yourself up for success. But now what we do we actually supplement with, you know, supplements with feed. Now we'll have a little bit of corn in there, but, and we do it all year round. And so we are feeding that, that herd, if you will, to help them through the times where, you know, we just had a heck of a drought here. And so we were going around to our little, our few spots that we had that didn't have water. And we were actually making sure that they had water. So we were putting water out and you would not believe, we put a truck hammer on it, how many animals that were yeah you know c- coming to, to to do the quail dove. i actually mentioned this on a it's actually a pope and young podcast and i was talking about hunting here in kansas and the drought we had and i asked um well it was frank noska and i because he's big on water holes and and i was asking him i said uh basically i was asking him do you think that water holes would work here in the midwest in kansas 
And, you know, we talked for a little bit about it and the logistics behind it. And it wasn't long before I get an email from a good friend of mine, uh, Jim Willems, um, who was the past president of Pope and Young. Now he's, he's still a board member of Pope and Young, but just kills giants every year. Mm-hmm. Like with his recurve 190s, you know, kind of guy. And he sends me an email and it just says water holes. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what is this? And I open it up and it's just pictures of giants on water holes. And he's like, yes, they work in Kansas. And I'm like, well, there you go. Yeah, that's interesting because, <clears throat> you know, most of the ground that we hunt is creeks. So I'd, I'd be interested to, 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 to see that. But I can tell you that, you know, with this last drought, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there was no question. Well, that's what, so, and I don't even know if I've given you this scenario yet, but last year, my in-laws owned five acres. Okay. Not a lot, just five acres. And I've never hunted out there. It's never been worth it. I've put, mm-hmm. tru- like the first year I moved here, I put trail cameras out and I'm just like, yeah, there's no deer here. Mm-hmm. Um, well, last year, my wife said, well, I want to get into bow hunting. So I bought her a little bear legit and, you know, got her all dialed in and she was ready to hunt. So I'm like, well, let's go see if there's anything at your parents. Mm-hmm. And I put up a camera and I'm talking seven shooters. Mm-hmm. And I was like, crap, on this little five acres. Mm-hmm. Well, two things changed since I moved here. Their dog died. Which was on five acres. If a deer comes on the property, the dog runs it off. Mm-hmm. So the dog died, and the neighbor pl- uh, built a massive pond. Mm-hmm. So it was holding more deer. And so last year, this place was just like outrageously cool. Like she would go and sit and see 30 deer in a night mm-hmm. on five acres. Right. And, uh, and then this year, I put out a camera and I had told her, I'm like, well, I'm finding somewhere else for you to hunt because this is my spot. Right. Now. And uh, so I put out a camera and tree stands and, and all this stuff. And I had a camera out for two months, and I saw one spike. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what in the world? Last year, I would see 40 deer in a day. I had seven different shooters out here. What's going on? And uh, and turns out that pond had dried up. up. Yep. And that's what kind of started these wheels turning about a, a water hole. Yeah, I've, I've, I've had, you know, I, I, I've had guys that know far more and hunted way more than I have, but and, and I believe the exact same as them, you know, the, the landscape around here has changed from a farming standpoint, an agricultural standpoint. It has changed drastically. Um, you know, back in when I was first hunting in the 90s, um, we didn't have much row crop at all. Corn was almost non-existent. Um, we had a little bit of alfalfa, but, I mean, Wellington's the wheat capital of the world, so we had wheat. Well, that's obviously, and, and you know, it's changed drastically, so there's all kinds of, you know, row crop, milo, corn, we got a lot of alfalfa and it's not, it's changed because of farming practices, right, wrong or indifferent. Um, but those big deer, especially the big deer, you put them in a cornfield with a wet spring and summer, yeah, they aren't leaving. Right. They have no reason. They got food, they got cover, they got water. They're good. They're chill. And, and I'd really believe, you know, deer are, Whitetails are are a lot like, you know, like we are. I mean, people we're animals. It's it's not. Um, it, it, you have to you have to at least I do. I have to check myself for not being lazy. You know, like yeah. I'm. You know, get yeah. off the couch, go do something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like so, if you just had somebody that was just might I feed say you, this is the very best time to start scouting. I would agree completely. And the other the thing, very best time, you know, we, another thing we had, we had some on our podcast, we had some, some guys come on, some of our pro staffers come on and they, and they were talking about year round, basically inventorying the animals that they have, because it's not just their antlers that you use to identify them, but 
you can use other, you know, traits. You know, we've, we had one, I had, I had one, I think I showed you the picture a couple of years ago. Um, I've still got the, he's still on the ground and, and if he, he's, he's past his prime, but he's one of those that I've got the experience with him. So if he shows himself, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, give it a whack, but, um, we call him split ear. His ear got split, must've been in a fight or something. And <clears throat> I jumped out of a stand one, one morning I had to go to a, a meeting. And, and so I was scanning the field to see if there was any other deer, um, you know, back behind my son-in-law that was hunting. And, uh, cause he was still going to stay in yeah. the stand. And so I'm literally standing, you know, and I come across this little Creek bottom and I, I come up out of the Creek bottom and I look around beforehand, you know, and, and so to say, know what I'm doing. I'm, I'm seasoned. So don't see anything. It's rut. I mean, and it's rut, rut. It is that one or two days where they're on full on stupid. And I take one step, I get up out of this Creek bed and I stand right there and I just stop. And all of a sudden within three or four seconds, I hear, something directly to my right and I look over and at eight yards is this 150 class you know 10 point and I put my bat my bow when I got out of the stand on my back because this particular stand I was like literally 10 yards from one direction from the property line and where I moved to I was like still you know five or 10 yeah. yards one direction and eight or 10 the other and I was like I'm not going to put myself in that position where some booners sitting over there you know, and, and I got to, you know, check my, my, you know, character as a person is if I'm, you know, 200, 200 inch deer sitting over there and I, he's at eight yards, just, you know, full on stupid with, with rut. So here I am with my bow on my back and this dude is working a scrape. I mean, he's just tearing it up and here he's, and then he's at eight yards and then he closes to within like three feet and he's standing there looking at me and I had my phone out. And so I was able to hit record. And I got video of it or nobody would have believed me. And he's standing at, I'm going to say five feet. And all of a sudden, and he, he, he doesn't know I'm there, but he, he's, he knows something's off, but he's, he's just, you know, he's amped up and all of a sudden, and there's nothing between he and I, there's a little sapling, like three inches around to my left. And he takes a step towards me. And I'm thinking, Oh crap, he smells something. I'm going to be that guy on the television. And I think it's getting ready to get on. And then another buck runs by chasing a doe and he peels off and goes for him and i got the whole thing on video but that deer we have him on truck camera again and you know there's old split here so everybody's got you know that's to me that's one of the funnest things is naming the deer you know hey we got yeah. a new one and you know trying to come up what are we going to call him what are we going to call him and so you know we we come up with names for him but that's part of the you know the experience and and you know with getting new people into hunting and and stuff you know i started around, you know, growing up, uh, upland hunting, pheasant and quail. That's what I started. And I mean, to tell you, I couldn't get enough, loved it, ate it up, then went into waterfowl. Wow. You want to talk about just the interactive and the, the camaraderie sitting in the blind and everything. So it just added to it. Then comes, you know, bow hunting and it, you know, it speaks for itself. Everybody. I mean, it's, it's, it's popular like it is for, for the reason, but it wasn't until probably five or seven years into my hunting experience, my late teens, early twenties, and I go turkey hunting, and I'm like, "Holy cow, now that's a different deal because of the interacting." Yeah. Well, I think one of the things that some people don't don't, I'm not going to say they don't like, but one of the 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 downfalls to deer hunting, especially whitetail, is is that you just go sit in the stand, and then you just got to wait for something to come by. Well, not if you start. 
start, you know, doing See, your... That, that is my addiction to white tawny. Like, not, you know, some people... And my job is taking me to, to all out west. And, you know, you talk to all mm-hmm. these western hunters, and they're like, dude, you're not a hunter. You sit in a tree stand. And I'm like, you're not a hunter. You hunt for one week a year. Like... I'm hunting year round mm-hmm. because whitetail hunting is a year long chess match. Well, and that's what I'm saying is, is yeah. that if you add that additional element for those people that that may not like that, you know, I'm sitting in a tree stand for three hours or four hours or, you know, like, yeah, but you didn't sweat your your exactly nays off hanging tree stands in ninety degree weather. You mm-hmm. didn't. You had to trim lanes. You had to plant food plots. You had to, I mean, hang cameras and yeah i mean it's it's this year-long chest now don't get me wrong dude i'm a sucker for elk hunting i love oh, bear absolutely. hunting like don't get me wrong there's it's really fun to get out of the truck and say okay i have one week to find them and kill them like mm-hmm. that's a blast but it's really fun in my opinion january 1 you start putting out trail cameras you start shed hunting you know in a couple months you start you know right now again i said right now is the best time to 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 scout because they're still fresh scrapes there's still fresh rubs mm-hmm. everywhere in the woods they're going crazy right now yeah they're still trying to hit the, the few does that didn't exactly get and so you can like i mean you can look at all those things right now and it teaches you a whole lot for september well and i think october november and and, and you know there's all kinds of different schools of thought and i'm not saying that my way is the right way at all <clears throat> but um, it is no i <laughs> <laughs> until it's not yeah until it's not but Always, always the right way until it fails. Yeah, it works. And what is it? Eighty percent of the yeah. time, fifty percent of the time, it works every time, or eighty yeah. percent of the time it works every time. Yeah, exactly. But I, for me, and and I'd love to hear what you have to to say about it. Is for me, I when I put a truck camera out, most of the time I'm leaving that truck camera out. The vast majority of the truck cameras I put out, and I don't put a ton of them out. And I'm not a. I'm using it. The truck camera is one more tool. In yeah. my arsenal, it's a, it's a, it's a, a di- and it, and it doesn't do everything. I still out there with a pair of binoculars and all that, but, but I'm, I'm hunting pinch points or I'm putting trail cameras in corridors. <clears throat> so that way I want to get, I'm using it as a ability to get an inventory of what yeah, I have out there. Absolutely. But I can tell you that when the rut hits and even after these deer, they have a territory, but we've all seen either witnessed it while we're out in the woods or we've all seen, you know, the National Geographic or hunting shows where, right. where I don't care if it's bison, I don't care if it's elk, I don't care, whatever it is, the dominant wins. And then the other one gets ran off. So they're, they're moving and they're changing. So just because you've got an inventory of deer, yeah, that doesn't mean that, that you're, you're going to seal also, the deal. I've also found sheds based off trail cameras. Like, you know, if I've got a property where two are set up, Mm-hmm. And I have a picture of a deer at 9.05 in the morning, and he's got both both sets. And then yep. at 9.33, I've got him on this camera, and he lost it. I'm like, okay, so somewhere between there and so, there, there's yeah. a f- fresh shed of sheds. Yeah, absolutely. And I go right to him. Yeah, um, absolutely. We had one this this year, one of our trail cameras. We had two bucks. Um, one was a, you know, he's a decent decent 10-pointer, uh, um, probably 140s, 150s, something like that. Um, nothing real big, but but there was also a six pointer in there and he was you know just a little basket case six pointer they're both in the picture and then all of a sudden five minutes later six pointer is coming back and he's just a three pointer um and it was during the rut so you you can connect the dots and you can figure out real quick who who won the fight yeah um speaking of trail cameras guys i got to give a shout out to my my guys over at muddy outdoors um i am a massive fan of all things muddy I've come to learn one thing. There's names in the hunting industry you can trust, and if it says Muddy, 
I know I can trust it with from my tree stands to my ground blinds to my trail cameras to all the accessories to go along with it. I know if it says muddy, I know it's going to last. I know it's going to be quality and uh, their cellular trail cameras are, are no different. I have come to love their cellular cameras for one reason. I know I can trust them and I know they're going to work and I can buy two or three for the price of some other cameras. And so right now, actually the morph cellular trail camera is on sale for buy one, get one free. It's an incredible deal. Uh, that means for 180 bucks, you're getting two incredible cellular trail cameras. And we're talking about how long we leave them out. We're talking about how much we, we use cellular trail cameras. So I would highly encourage you. You will make you'll save your money in about a year if you'll just buy some of the solar panels from Muddy and plug it straight into your camera. You'll save that in batteries in about a year. So um, I would I highly encourage you to go check out Muddy Outdoors. I don't think it takes a year. Not even a year. Uh, but guys, go to GoMuddy.com and check them out for all things hunting, all the accessories and and um, harnesses, tree stands, ground blinds, everything you need. I promise you if it says Muddy, it's a name you can trust. Um, Kip, you mentioned something earlier I want to go back to. You mentioned having lost sight of like why you do what you do mm -hmm. and, and why you started what you started. And I think that's the biggest issue. When people make their living um, in, in doing what they love, there comes a point where they lose sight of their love for it. Mm -hmm. um, so to combat that, we've talked about working hard, hunting hard. I think you got to play hard too. Like, and I don't Absolutely. mean, I don't mean to make that like such a cliche, you're but you're exactly right. You need to reward yourself. Yeah. And so dude, like, I was in the same place this year. Like I told my wife at one point, I'm like, I can never say this has been true before, but I don't even want to hunt. Like, I don't even want to go out and hunt right now. And it was like a, you know, a cold snap in October 30th. And I'm like the prime time. And I'm like, I didn't have the desire to hunt. Like, and I don't know why, but now I know why, like, looking back because again you've lost sight of why you do what you do and you know sometimes there's this negative connotation with working in the hunting industry that you've got to kill big deer um and, and you've got to put something on the ground that you can be proud of let me just say this if you're worried about the picture you're going to take with your animal afterwards you're doing it for the wrong reasons you're doing it for the wrong reason and every single time that's the case you're gonna lose sight of why you love it mm -hmm. like every time Every time social media and the comments you'll get and all that stuff starts coming in your head, every time that happens, you're going to lose sight of why you love hunting. Yeah. And that was the exact thing that happened to me this year. Yeah. So what I did, and I'm just telling you, if you've come to that place, I'm going to tell you how to combat that. Grab a bow, go out and say, whatever tickles my fancy, I'm going to shoot it. And I'm not going to ask any questions. I'm not going to think twice. I'm not, I might not even take a picture of it. I might not even post a picture of it. And mm -hmm. that doesn't matter. Um... So I, that's exactly what I did. I grabbed my, my bow this year in Kansas, and, uh, and I said, you know what? I can worry about big deer in Oklahoma. I can worry about big deer in Missouri. I'm going out, and I'm just going to shoot something, whatever I see. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, this little dinky six-point came out. Like I never would have even dreamed of shooting this deer. But I'm like, yeah, let's torch him. And, and it just, again, it just reminds me, like, who in the crap cares what you think? Yeah, like, you can't get caught up in what other people think. It's 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 much easier said than done, especially in the in the the, the media world that we have now, and how how accessible everybody is, and how little amount of privacy that we have to ourselves. But I, you're exactly right. You know, it, you know they say that's why they call it fishing, not catching. It's also why we call it hunting and not killing. Um, 
I can tell you there's been times where I've gone several years without shooting a deer and it wasn't an unsuccessful season. I saw deer that, you know, I would, that most people would shoot, but it wasn't that that was, I was out there enjoying, you know, God's world, if you will, and, and seeing all the beauty and having the experience. To me, the, 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 the reward was not necessarily the trophy at the end. Um, it was the experience, the camaraderie with my, my buddies, my son-in-law, my, you know, whoever it may be that I'm, I'm out there, you know, experiencing that, that time yeah. with my, you know, family member, any, anybody that you're out and, 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 you know, now that we've started this, this business, um, you know, my daughter, I've got two daughters and a son, all of them have hunted. My wife has never hunted, but now all of a sudden my middle daughter who has, who has hunted with me uh, the, the most of the three, if you will, uh, of my kids, all of a sudden she's talking about, Hey, you know, I think I want to go out and, and do this more. And you know, now she just had a, yeah she just had a little, a little baby of her own and she's starting to, you know, see that. And so here we are, you know, kind of coming full circle and, you know, it, 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 maybe it takes a little bit longer, man. I couldn't tell you, I could not be more excited about going and having that experience with my daughter and then my granddaughter, you know, just being born, like I'm, I'm so excited for what the next, you know, 20 years are going to be. You've been I, a little giddy. Lately. I, I, you know, <laughs> and I don't care, honestly. And I genuinely mean this. I don't care if I shoot anything. Yeah. But you know, that being said, <clears throat> I like the experience. Right. And so it's, it's not just about that. And I also, you know, I like meat on the table. I like to know where my, you know, my food came from, that kind of stuff too. But well, I think sometimes we get so serious about hunting too. Like, and you know, I know this is completely contradictory to what we've been talking about, but if your goal is to shoot new world records and get as many animals in Pope and Young as you can, absolutely. You got to take it serious, but absolutely. But uh, sometimes I think as everyday outdoorsmen, we take hunting so serious that then we hate it. And, and, you know, I think back, there was two times this year where I took my boy out and you know, I'll be honest, I took him on hot days where I didn't think much was going to happen. Um, I certainly didn't take him, you know, in the middle of the rut when there was a cold drop, uh, a temperature drop, because mm -hmm. I had a good chance of shooting a buck. And so I didn't take him those times. But there were two times where, like, a coyote ran by, and he's like, let's go get him, Dad. And I'm like, you know what? Yeah, let's go get him. Mm -hmm. Like, because it's fun. Like, it's fun to crawl across the ground trying to kill a coyote. Like, we got 30 yards from a coyote. Like, that's just fun. And he's going to remember that. He's going to. Now, sure, we blew all the deer out of the area, and all the deer were gone, and there my son stands in the middle mm -hmm. of a field howling at this coyote. Like, we blew all the opportunities at a deer, but we had fun. Like, we played. You know what I mean? And so I think you've got to work hard. Mm -hmm. You've got to hunt hard if you want to be successful. But if you want to be successful, you've also got to play pretty hard. Yeah. Well, just this conversation here, if you listen to the first you know, three minutes and then you listen to the last three minutes, you're like, well, these guys are talking circles. But I think there's, you know, hearing you speak, two words came to mind, balance, perspective. A hundred percent. Balance and perspective. Well, and, and here's, you know, going back to part of my issue too, was you take it so serious that it becomes unenjoyable. Mm -hmm. And, you know, everything about your hunting is so 
centered and it's so draining and it's so tiring and it's so well it's easy to get caught up in that exactly. rat race of social media and having to have the perfect picture exactly and you, you we got to take the picture from this angle because it makes it look bigger yeah. but if we if we extend our arms too far then we're going to have somebody talking about yeah well you made it look bigger than it. dude who cares yeah i mean yes it's all everybody everybody wants to shoot the biggest or somebody wants to shoot the best so to say but you know i don't know the, the this the society with the participation trophies not a big fan of that uh, i think we've created some of that but if we just get back to basics of you know this is it's 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 not only just about the 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 hunting it's definitely not about the killing it's about the experience and you know when i got into the, the had the opportunity to start the the shop here and and it's growing the way it is and taking off one of the things that we take responsibility in is is that this industry the 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 hunting industry the shooting industry the archery all of it kind of you know it 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 overlaps and crosses one another but we have a responsibility to pass that on and so you know there's a lot of especially you know if you look at the you know the the statistics with first-time gun buyers there's an enormous amount of first-time gun buyers. And yes, some of those gun buyers are not ever going to, you know, they bought it and it's just going to be a safe queen, so to say, or some of them bought it and they're just getting into the sporting, the shooting side of it. And, yeah. you know, the, 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 um, the popularity of long distance shooting has just gone through the roof and all that. But there's a lot of those that w- are getting into the hunting side of it as well, or that's just a natural progression of, of getting yeah. into hunting. And so, we all as outdoorsmen, we all as sportsmen, we all in this industry have a responsibility to to show that that maturity, the integrity, the right way to handle ourselves because there's our we've yeah. got a, we've got enough we've got enough people out there that are against us. Well, and, you know, I just you're right. I mean, if you listen to the first step, like the first five minutes, and then the last, you're like, you're so contradictory. No, what I mean by all of this is that if we don't get back to having fun when we're hunting, then we're not going to hunt hard. Like what I learned this year is, if I will have fun and play along the way, then I'll hunt harder in the end. Mm-hmm. Like, but sometimes we get so focused on how hard we can hunt and and all of these things that sometimes then it becomes draining and we don't want to do it anymore. And when we go out and we just have fun for a couple of days, and I'm not telling you to go out on your very best piece of ground where your number one buck lives and go out and streak through the woods. Perspective. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is, hey, I don't have a great wind. I don't have a good place to go. I'm going to go out to my number three spot or my number four spot and just try to spot and stalk for the day. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm going to blow some deer out, but I'm going to have a blast doing it. Because then... On the day where, dude, I've got the perfect wind, I've got the perfect set, I've got the perfect, then I've had fun and I can go in and hunt really hard. Well, and it's the same thing. Hunting is no different than anything else in life. You don't just, you're not, you're not just born and all of a sudden you're an, you know, NFL athlete. Yeah. You know, there, less than 1% of all high school kids make it to the NFL. So, but those individuals that do make it to that level, all put in the effort. So if you're going out there and you're spot stalking, you're, you're learning, learning a lot. Yeah. And, and you know, another, another, uh, thing I had the other day, um, that one of a, one of our pro staffers said to us was, um, he said three things. Um, it was, uh, scout hide hunt. Yeah. 
and he when he said that, I was just like, wow. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah, it's like, that's really it. But yeah. there's so much I more. I could literally see the light bulb above your head go off. No. <laughs> um, but that, dude, like, like you said, I was, I had already tagged out here in Kansas, couldn't kill a buck, but I wanted to go out and have some fun. And again, this is like, I was getting ready to head to Oklahoma. So I'm like, I just want to go out and have some fun. Then when I get to Oklahoma, I'm like dead set focused on hunting hard. Um, and so I go out in Kansas, and I had the perfect property for this. It has a sand bank creek that runs all the way through the woods. And so I start at one end of the property, get down on my hands and knees, and crawl through that sand, mm-hmm. like all the way through there. And, dude, I got within 40 yards of like five bucks. I saw hundreds of does. I mean, just a great time. And, yeah. you know, I, I was fully intentional on, like, if, if a doe, if I have a shot at a doe, I'm a recurve. Absolutely. If I have a shot at a doe, I'm torturing her. Yeah. And, uh, and I even, I had a buddy with me, and, and I'm like, one specific instance, and I learned a lot about bucks this, 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 throughout just playing and having fun, but I was like, all right, I'm going to go up this bank, and I'm, it's going to have to be loud, and, like, I can't get out of the, the way that it's like a tree had fallen, so, like, we had to get out of the bank and go around this tree. So I'm like, I'm going to get up and get out, and it's going to be loud. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to be louder intentionally, and I'm going to grunt the whole way out. Like, so this, if there is deer, they're going to think I'm a deer. And so I just bust out of this creek bank, just bleh, 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 as I'm running, like I'm literally just look like a little kid, like frolicking through the woods. <laughs> and I stop, and I'm like, man, there's a really good bedding area right in here. Like, I really thought we'd see some deer. So I'm like, I'm going to keep doing that. And I just keep bleh, 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 bleh. And I stop, and I'm like four and a half yards from a giant buck, like just bedded right here. And he never one time turned and picked his head up and looked because he thought I was just a buck. Mm-hmm. Never one time even crossed his mind to even think, what is that? You know, if it was just me walking through the woods, he was going to pop his head up, look, and sprint off. And so I'm like, dude, I just got within five yards. I'm talking a mid 150s, 160 deer. Yeah. Giant. And, uh, and I got within four yards from him acting like an idiot. Like, but I realized if I just have the grunt in my mouth, and make some noise that a deer would make, he's going to think I'm a deer. And so I, I literally ran through the woods and got four and a half yards from this deer. And uh, and you learn a lot. Like, yeah. And then I went to Oklahoma. I played, and I had fun, and I went to Oklahoma dead set on, like, let's hunt hard. Like, no matter what. Doesn't matter if it's 10 degrees and raining, we're going to hunt. And, yeah. and then you go into that with, like, just a breath of fresh air. like, And then you can hunt harder because you, you played hard. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's again, it's perspective and, and, you know, just trying to have that experience. And that's, that's, I guess that's kind of the, the thing that, you know, I'm, I'm most excited about with, with what we've been able to have happen and and going on here is just that I'm, I'm super excited about, about that part of it is being able to kind of come full circle and, and now being able to enjoy that with my my yeah. kids and the rest of my family. Absolutely, dude. It's just it's it's perspective, and yes, if you're gonna go hard, do everything you do, do it hard, do it, yeah. do, go as hard as, so that way when you're done, you're like, well, I may not, I may not have you know, shot the biggest, or I may not have you know, shot the most, or or whatever it is, but man, I gave it my effort, I gave it yeah. my all, and and your all is different than somebody else's all. It doesn't matter. It's it's not that that's the thing that. It's not up to somebody else to judge you on that. I would also say quit quit expecting it to happen easy. Like, quit thinking, like, I'm going to go out and, and kill a big deer. And, you know, I've heard people and they say, dude, I've hunted 19 times this year and I haven't shot a buck yet. And I'm like, okay, you're yeah, just starting, bro. Yeah. Like, 
You know, I've seen people hunt for years before they shoot their first buck with a bow. Oh, like, yeah. And it's it, it, we make it out to seem yeah, like it's, it's so easy, it's so with, easy. A, with a bow, especially. Um, and, you know, another th- my wife in, in her in her job, a lot of times she'll travel all over the, you know, the U S and stuff. And so, so when she's on location, sometimes I'll go there, I'll go there and visit her, you know, for a little bit. And I always think it's funny that I'll run into guys and immediately, you know, I'm, I'm a talker and stuff. And so I'll start talking, obviously it always goes to, to outdoors. And I, I, you know, like when we're in Texas or Florida, I'm always like, Hey, uh, I want to see the pictures on your phone of the, of the bass that you catch. Yeah. And they want to see the pictures of, of the, the deer, deer that we shoot here. <clears throat> and so, you know, it's 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 real easy also to remember or to, to forget that the grass isn't always greener. So, you know, when I, I I was like I said, I was born and raised here, and then I left and went went to school at Kansas State University, Wildcats. And when I went up there, I remember thinking to myself, well, I'm going to try and find a spot to hunt, you know, while the week. But on the weekends, I'm going to go back back home because I've got all this area that I can that I can hunt that's you know really good, and when I got up there, lo and behold, there was really prime hunting area up yeah. there as well. Well, then I move to you know Arizona, and I realize, dude, I didn't have any idea how lucky I had it. Then you got to start coos deer hunting. I'm, I'm sorry, I have not cows done it yet. deer hunting. Yeah, I have not done it yet, but it is on my bucket list. And, and I that's hear what, it's the hardest yeah, animal. Yeah, to hunt. So, yeah, they are. Um, but and I've never done it. I shouldn't have said it like I can confirm, but. Um, that, that going back to my addiction for whitetails, that's part of it though. Like, they're the most widely hunted animal because they're the most widely available. Like, you can hunt them in the desert, you can hunt them in the mountains, you can hunt them in the big country, you can hunt them in the wheat fields, you can hunt them. Mm-hmm. You know, I find a deer in desert places in Texas, and you're like, where are these deer going to hide? The it, most deer that I've ever seen. My wife was working down in the hill country, um, down around San Antonio, yeah. Fredericksburg, absolutely beautiful area. Yeah. But we, when we would go, you know, she was working down there for quite a while, so we would travel back and forth, and we would actually play a game to make sure that we were, you know, trying, you know, driving at night, slowing down, counting deer. Yeah. And I literally would lose track of how many deer. Yeah. Now they're about the size of a Labrador. Yeah. But they're not like the ones up here. But the, the the population of deer down there are just unbelievable. Well, and that's what, like, I, I love it so much because, you know, you can just hunt them and, like, it's a complete different hunt. It's a completely different hunt. Totally, totally different. Like, if you go to Texas, like I said, I've, I've literally showed up to hunt in Texas and I'm like, there's no deer here. It's desert. And then, you know, sunset rolls around and you're like, there's 90 deer in front of me. Yeah. Like, where'd these come from? Yeah, that's the same way I was. When like, I was you're like, what did they do? Go in K? Like, bury, a, like, dig a hole? Like, exactly. where are these deer at? Well, and even in, like, even in Kansas, I've I've got a real good buddy of mine from from college. His family owns some ground clear up in the northwest part of the Kansas. And it's a completely different yes. world. Like, from where we're Absolutely. at here, uh, I talk to him, um, I talk to him pretty regularly, but, you know, here, here about probably two months ago, I called him and I was complaining to him about the you know, the, the drought we were having. And he's like, dude, we haven't had a drop of rain since October. Yeah. And it was like, you know, nine months after that. And I'm like, what? But, and so I asked him, I was like, so how many, you know, how many inches of rain do you normally get? And I think he said it's something like 16 inches is what they normally get there. And I'm like, what? Like we can get 16 inches in like in a weekend. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, 
so it's just crazy the diversity that happens just within Kansas. And, you know, you, then you look at places like Texas and you're like, man, West Texas versus East yeah, Texas versus exactly the size yeah. of Texas. Yeah. So it's just crazy, you know, and, and, and even within, you know, even within our County here, you know, you can go from the East side to the West side of our County. And, you know, there's areas of, of our County, lots of areas of our County that are just as flat and you can see two, three miles. And, yeah. and then there's areas where we've got rivers, we've got creeks, we've got hills, we've got, you know, all kinds of stuff. So even hunting those, each one, each one is a different hunt in and, in and of itself, each property. Yeah. And that's what, that's what I love about it so much, you know, is, you know, if you hunt elk, you're going to be in the mountains. Uh, if you hunt antelope, you're going to be in the, you know, the prairies, you know, the, mm-hmm. the flatlands. If you hunt, I mean, but with whitetails, dude, like I've been to Maine and it's like the thickest, darkest country you've ever seen in your life. Mm-hmm. Like when you step foot into never that tree line. Never been there, but I've heard. Like when you step foot in that tree line, dude there you can't see like you've got you've got maybe eight yards to shoot a deer Mm -hmm. like it's crazy and and the sun like when the sun goes down legal shooting light might be 30 minutes after but you can't see at legal at at sunset much less 30 minutes after like and so it's just such a different ball game dude like you know comparatively then you like i said you drop down to texas where there isn't a tree like you're in the southernmost part of texas they are but you're taller than they are yeah yeah there's you sit on them, you're going to get, you know, never. everything, everything yeah. bites. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Scratches. Um, I did, I did have a guy one time I was down there and, uh, <laughs> it was my buddy Gabe. We were hunting and, uh, I don't remember what, I think we were hunting all dad and, and, uh, we we're on an all dad you hunt. It's exactly what we're hunting. All dad use. And this all dad comes out and he drops to the ground and, and, the way this played out, he was on the ground for like 12 minutes because we were waiting for this other uh, ram to clear so we could shoot. And anyways, and he gets up, and dude just has cactuses all over his chest. And he laid there for like 12 minutes, but he never moved. And I'm like, nice, dude, you hung in there. Way to take one for Trooper. the team. We didn't shoot one, but he went yeah. through all that for nothing. Right, yeah. No, and it's, I can tell you from my first experience going, you know, out west, you know, just just here in the state of Kansas yeah, and doing mule deer the mule deer hunt we did DIY first time it was a completely different yeah. experience and loved it and i can tell you that learned an enormous amount and it's 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 just a completely it is a completely different hunt right. and that's the you know as sportsmen that's the great thing is is that i think we each will have our our things that we enjoy the most but for the most part we all kind of cross and go go over and you know we'll hunt all different things and you know i mean you see a coyote it's all it turns into a coyote hunt immediately yes 100 percent. dude i start squalling (laughs) yeah (laughs) doesn't matter if you're gonna blow out the deer or whatever but it yeah that coyote. i quickly turn into a coyote hunter yeah absolutely yeah um so kip i ask every single one of my guests for a hunting one-on-one field note just a quick tip trick something that i can take and put in my back pocket to make myself a better hunter with why you think about that I need to issue a question. I, uh, if you listen to a couple episodes ago where we had Joey's at Mary down in Missouri, we're talking through our new 2020, 2023 setups. And I was running through my execute 32 setup and the arrow setup I built. And I spent some time hunting with that arrow setup and I quickly realized it's too heavy. Like I went too heavy. Um, I think it was 670 grains, this arrow weight. (laughs) So a, a telephone pole. Yeah. Um, 
You, you said you were throwing spears? Yeah. I quickly learned that it was too heavy. So I want to ask you this, and I want you to send me an email. I want to know what you think. I want to, I want to talk about it. At what point are you sacrificing too much speed for kinetic energy that you'll never need? Like for, at what point are you losing so much speed that the kinetic energy that you're gaining isn't even worth it? Like where is that dividing line? And so, um, if you've got the answer um, or you have an idea, shoot me an email because I really want to talk about this and discuss this because I, I did a little bit of experimenting and I found my ideal weight. Um, but I want to hear from you. So let me know. Um, I would love to talk about it. But I would also like to say I'm a massive believer in deer crossing archery arrows. I have been for a very long time. I shot them nine years ago, and I've absolutely loved deer crossing archery arrows. The thing I love most about them is you call, you email, you get on their website. You get to build your arrows from the ground up the exact way you want them. So... I've chose my 250 ruptures and I get to build out the, the outsert and insert kit exactly what I want. So if I want an ethics, uh, full stainless steel or aluminum insert with stainless steel outsert, I get to choose all that and build that exactly how I want it. And then I get to choose my wrap colors, my vein colors, my knot colors, and he's going to send me a complete arrow built, ready to go, fletched um, to the ideal spec weight I wanted it to be with the insert and outsert how I want it to be. Um, so throughout this, he's been a massive part in helping me find that, that deciding line of, uh, or that dividing line of, of speed versus kinetic energy. But again, I want to hear from you. And in the meantime, go check out deer crossing archery, uh, for your next set of arrows, because I promise you one thing, you will not be disappointed. Um, so Kip, what do you got for me on a tip? I think it's, we've, we've kind of already touched base on it and I think it goes scout. Yeah. Um, it's right it, now, you know, anytime. And, and, and with that being said, and it's easy to say, you know, I walked uphill both ways during the snow, you know, to school right. in the snow, waist high, and it was 110 degrees. But there's never been a time like now with all of the technology that's out there to be able to make your experience or the experience, part of that experience is not, most most people don't just go hunt by themselves. It's you know, or they don't go, yeah. you know, go out shooting sports and, or, or target archery. You're doing it as an experience as with, with people, right? Whether you're competing by yourself, you know, in, in, in a competition for your target shooting or whether you're, you know, it's, it's, it's an experience, it's camaraderie, but we've never been in an experience. I mean, you can build a house and, and a, and a spaceship off of YouTube. So there is tons of information out there. Now you're gonna have to shuffle through it, and and you know here we are talking on a podcast, giving information out. You got to shuffle through and see what's decide what's credible. Yeah, and and, yeah. and just and 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 uh, even a, a step further than credible is is credible also can be it can be credible, but also not be relevant to you, right? Based upon your geographic location, based upon your your physical capabilities, yeah. based upon any number of different things, but, or, or what you want to do, but or shooting style or broadhead, absolutely. I mean, broadhead yeah. choice, I mean, financial uh, capability, yeah. you know, means like there's been times I'm looking at shooting tips for a recurve and I start playing the video and three minutes in, I realize he's talking tips for split fingers and I'm like, I don't shoot splits. Yep. So exit off that, go to the next one. Yep. So I think scouting or research or preparation, yeah. just, you're going to have so much more of an experience, a great experience. You're controlling. Yeah. You're, you're, you're taking, that's something that you have control of. And right. so you can 
take control of that and limit the amount of things that are going to be, because there's an endless amount of things that are going to be out of your control that are going to happen while you're out there hunting. Yeah. And so then like you the can coyote have, that runs by. Exactly. I mean, and then it turns we, into a coyote hunt. We've talked about you know, the coyote, but like when that, when, when I have the, the instance with my boy is a perfect example. I had three does working out, coyote runs out, blows them out. I'm like, well, I could not control when that coyote ran out. And if that was a giant buck standing there, so be it. Couldn't control that coyote that ran out. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why it's a chess match. Like, that's why it's this game of cat and mouse. I will say my tip to go along with that yes. is you cannot hunt memories. And what I mean by that is, like, you can't just say, well, last year all the deer came out from this area. Because what happens if a giant tree has fallen and blocked that way back in the woods that you can't see, and all of a sudden the deer are coming 15 yards downwind of where you thought they were going to be coming, and you're screwed. Like, mm-hmm. so you have to scout every year. I don't care if it's been in this property's been in your family for a hundred years. You have to scout that property and you have to figure out where the deer come and where they go and where they bedding, where they eating, where they find a shelter. Wind. We wind. haven't even said wind, wind once, direction. I don't think in this entire conversation, but yeah, wind. And if that tree falls and it's, uh, I, I literally just had this happen. One of my properties real close to one of my tree stands, giant cottonwood fell giant. Yeah, and it literally created a pinch point. Now it's only going to be there for, you know, cottonwoods. It'll be there for probably five years. Eventually, it'll decay and everything. But man, this thing—it it worked to my benefit. When I walked in, it made this pinch point that I was already hunting. It, it narrowed it down to like twenty yards instead of forty or fifty yards. Yeah. And for the next four or five years, but then one thing that didn't cross my mind until a little bit later was the wind. That thing was so big. Blocked wind. It blocked the wind, changed the, 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 the Literally wind. changed the direction it of the wind. It changed the direction of the wind down there because it was in a, it was kind of in a finger. Yeah. Um, and the, there was a railroad track on one side. And so it just kind of created this kind of a, a an artificial hauler, if you will, kind of a, right. an artificial little valley, you know, and again, we're this area, it, it's, it's on a creek bottom, but, but it's still really flat. So it changed the wind and I really had to, 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 to pay more close attention to the wind that I didn't have to pay attention to before that tree fell. So, yeah. And I, you know, I've had things change about properties that you never, you never, dude, I've had a guy show up like opening morning. And again, this property he'd hunted for 20 years, like, you know, and he knew the property, he knew the ground, he knew all this stuff. And, um, so scouting had become non-existent. You mm-hmm. don't really think about it. I've got the same tree stand I've had for 10 years in there. I'm ready to go hunt. He goes out opening morning, and the tree stand had tree got struck by lightning. It's gone. Like you don't have nowhere to hunt that morning. Like, and yep. I he's calling me saying, "Dude, I don't my tree stand." I'm like, "You're an idiot!" Like, mm-hmm. not only did you not you you weren't checking tree stands for safety. Like you didn't go out and check straps beforehand. But exactly. like, what what happens when you know? I an, and a perfect example is I had a guy, same guy, different property, same guy. He went out you know, opening weekend or opening morning and the power lines had come through. They were building the new power line system and mm-hmm. wiped out like 50, 50 acres of land of trees, oh, wow. not on his property, but on another property and completely changed everything about oh, yeah, what the would, deer were that doing. Would make a huge change. Like a hundred percent. I'm like, dude, you never went out and just sat with a pair of binoculars or looked or watched. Like you never, like, we don't understand all the things that can change. And those are like man-made, you know, that that's a man-made difference. But again, you're talking about something that just freak you get, happened. You get, you get, uh, big rains. Yeah. Man, wash it out. They can wash out stuff, yeah. change Creek direction or change, you know, yeah. they'll, they'll wash out. I mean, it's, 
you know, you get big rains and that can make a heck of a difference too. hundred percent. And, and even when, you know, we hunt Creek bottoms a lot around here or rivers around here a lot. If we get heavy rains, you got to kind of watch that because that's going to change the direction of the deer and where they're going to go. And sometimes it'll change it for two or three days or even a week or two. Yeah. Depending on, absolutely on, on how much rain we've had, but yeah, it, it, it's mother nature. Yeah. It changes for sure. Kip, you, uh, tell us about, Powder and String, where can they find you? Where can they uh, tune in? Where can they get more information on you? Well, we're Powder and String Outfitters, um, physically located downtown Wellington, Kansas. Um, we are, uh, our web presence isn't, we're not, we don't have our website up and going. That We're hoping to have that done in the next 60 days, um, worst case scenario. Um, but we are on social media, um, Powder String, uh, Facebook, we're on uh, Instagram, YouTube, you have our YouTube channel, um, Twitter. And you um, just started your own podcast. We did, yes. Um, so if you've liked the soothing sound of Kip's voice, you can listen to that you can, all year round on the Powder and String podcast. All you can handle, bro. <laughs> My goal, Kip, I had a... Um, oh, crap. Who was it that told me? Um, now I can't even think of who told me this. It's a big-name podcast host. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, don't, I don't even remember who it was. But anyways... He said he was at a show one time, like an ATA or something, and this guy walks up, and he's like, holy crap, you're so-and-so. And he's like, yeah, you know, nice to meet you. And the guy hollered over to his wife and said, hey, I want you to meet uh, so-and-so. And she said, oh, I know who this is. I'm sick and tired of hearing your voice. <laughs> and I'm like, that's my goal, man. Like, for women, for wives to get tired of hearing my voice because their husbands listen to me so much. Yeah. Goals, dreams, and aspirations. Yeah, that's there it. There you go. Yeah. That's it. Um, but before we go... I got to give a shout out to my friends over at Buck Bourbon, which I hope Kip to be carrying before too long um, because it is, if you run any kind of food or attractant, which by the way, just because season is over does not mean the deer don't need supplication uh, for their needs. So you should still be running food. You should still be running um, attractants, not not necessarily attractants, but you should still be running supplements for your deer, uh, salt licks and things of the sort, protein feeds, uh, and so if you run any kind of those things, don't stop just because season's over. But I would highly encourage you to check out Buck Bourbon. I've absolutely fallen in love with the, the stuff. I uh, I store it in my garage, which is also where my gym's at, which is also where my bow shop's at. And I just love the smell of it. It just fills my garage with Buck Bourbon. Um, but the deer absolutely love it. It's really good protein quality for your deer. Um, so go check out Buck Bourbon for all of your food and supplication needs for your deer. Kip, thank you so much for coming on. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Happy New Year. Uh, This is the first episode of 2023, and so I'm excited about what this year has to bring. Uh, We'll be headed out to ATA this next week, and so I'll be bringing you some of those episodes with some of the guys from Bear on new products, new bows, new uh, things they've got coming out, as well as other things in the industry. So guys, make sure and tune in uh, where we'll be bringing you all the information you need from ATA here on the podcast. Guys, thanks for listening. Y'all have a great week.